not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games of Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 56 and we travel to the City of Kings in this episode. Uh, so last time we had the Seven Stones, which uh, or Seven Stones, I think I always put the in front of Seven Stones, and it's actually just Seven Stones, all about Palantirs and doubles and fun and theme and exciting times like that. Uh, this episode, though, episode 56 is all going to be about the uh, city of kings down in winchester which is one of the more competitive tournaments but kind of funky which i really like so it's not just a straightforward 100 point tournament uh, sorry, uh which it, when i say 100 point in this context i mean gbhl scoring um top tier scoring event essentially it's not just a uh, 100 pointer it's actually got a bit of spice to everything um it's got lots of different cool special rules for the tournament so uh, for example you can bring a piece of terrain with you uh, which can deploy on the board it's got to be seven by seven inches uh, wide maximum i believe but either way very exciting uh, you can provide your own terrain uh, and use that to your tactical advantage and i believe the purpose behind that is if you've got some special rules like wood woodland creature or uh, dwarven rangers have uh, climb over rocks or whatever the special rules called then you can bring some rocks or some woodland terrain to favor your army so that's kind of cool i like that um so with that in mind uh, that's one of the the, the things there's an, there's more uh, more though it's not just that and um, one of the main things about this tournament is its its structure is very different to most tournaments because usually um the uh, normal sort of structure of tournaments is that you you know you play a game win a game by x number of vps whether it's 2-1 or 12-1 you still win the game and that gives you tournament points so for example a win might be uh, three a draw might be one and then a loss might be zero or something to that uh, that effect this tournament is a little different and it's playing largely or only really on the vps scored in total so there are no tournament points at all it's all about who scores the most vps so uh, there are 12 vps um sort of on offer in each game as usual plus uh, you get a bonus of two if you win a game so in total that's 14 times six uh, you do the maths because i don't want to mess it up um, but either way that's the if you get all those then you're pretty much guaranteed to win the tournament and um, so that's exciting so it means that a one nil victory may well get you through to win a tournament in another tournament but here that's actually not as valuable as a 10 11 loss for example if you lose uh, a game by you know one vp um, but still gain lots of points then that would be a lot more valuable than winning a game by a very small margin so uh, there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of spice which i love so that's coming up uh, this episode and and it also is a tournament where you're allowed to take two armies um and you can either uh, well basically if you're good and evil you can take two armies, one of which is good, one of which is evil. And if you're playing against evil, you, then you play your good army. If you're playing against uh, good, then you use your evil army. And if you, uh, if you're playing, uh, you know, if playing against someone who has both, like yourself, um, then you get to flip a coin or decide in some way between you, whatever you fancy, basically. So, with that in mind, let's build some armies. Worthy of Mordor. 
So this bit of this podcast is probably going to be quite short. Um, I'll run through it very quickly because these are both armies you, uh, if you're a regular listener, you will have encountered before because they are my Easterlings and my Paths of the Druidan lists at 800 points. So uh, I'll just rattle through them because I've, I've said it a couple of times before. So uh, 800 points. Uh, they're almost exactly the same as well. Um, this is the Easterlings. So we've got Ratabi, General of the Dragon Legion, who is the leader. Uh, we've got three Easterlings with shield, three with pike. Uh, sorry, two with pike and shield. Um, one with warrior pike, uh, with banner, what pike and shield? God, I can't get my words out today. Uh, three with uh, three black dragons with pike and shield, and three dragon cult acolytes. So you've got a solid pike block plus a banner in there and some acolytes uh, for the throwing daggers and the extra gubbins of two attacks. Then warband two is uh, Amda with uh, Lord of the Blades and. Uh, uh, armored horse, all that sort of stuff. Then another uh, three by three by three uh, shield, pike and shield, black dragon with pike and shield block, uh, a cataract with war drum, and then three dragon and cult acolytes. Then we've got Brawgear the Conjurer uh, leading a sort of mishmash warband of a couple of Easterlings with shield, a couple with pike and shield, one with bow, two black dragons with pike and shield. Uh, and three dragon cult acolytes so we've got pretty much another block of uh, dudes there and then finally one easterling dragon knight on armored horse so total is 800 points you've got 11 might plus your master of battle from uh, your leader rutabi a bow just the one just just you know just in case <laughs> you never know when it'll come in useful uh, plus nine throwing weapons 39 models uh break at 19 so you know very elite um, kind of horde, but lots and lots of hard-to-kill stuff. The pikes are very handy. Uh, and, you know, we've got those new heroes, and I'm giving them another spin, because I think last time I ran them, they didn't do so well. So, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, in fact, last time it was almost identical, um, the tournament, basically, to this one. It was good and evil. And the Paths of Rurden did much better than my Eastlings. And, in fact, until now, this tournament, they're absolutely completely unbeaten never lost a game with them so you know maybe i can keep that up this weekend we'll see uh, either way the path of the druid army is as follows uh, it is theoden uh, king on uh, with heavy armor uh, shield and horse uh, a rider of rohan with banner four riders of rohan uh, three royal guard with horse and throwing spears uh, dalewine chief of the uh, king's knights with horse Two rider of Rohan, one rider of Rohan with throwing spears, four royal guard with throwing spears, then elf helm on horse, three riders of Rohan with throwing spear, two royal guard with throwing spear, uh, all on horses, and Ganbarigan with 15 woeses. So a total of 39 models, exactly the same as my other army. Um, of course, a lot of those, 16 of those are woeses. And uh, that's it, yeah. So a fair amount of might as well in there. So you've got all the good stuff, so about 12 points of might. And, and you know, you've got all those special bonuses and you've got cavalry and you've got some good throwing weapons and lots of exciting th- stuff. So that those are my two armies. And I must say, the, the Pass of the Druid and were a late notice kind of addition because I didn't read the rules pack properly as everyone um, is <laughs> I think guilty of at some point in their life not really um, taking in what the rules pack is despite this tournament actually having been postponed since I think it was March 2020 it's probably well, May, probably May 2020 anyway uh, it's all very exciting can't wait to um, head down to Winchester especially because I used to go to university in Winchester so uh, it's like returning home in some ways uh, but I've never been to a tournament there so this should be good uh, organised by Alistair King uh, who's the Great British Hobbit League's uh, coordinator organiser uh, and it's at, like a conservative club which apparently has good value beverages which is always a good sign so uh, we'll head to the tables in a bit but first Riddles in the dark 
are precious. Yeah, riddles in the dark. This is the time of the podcast where I basically delve into the email inbox, uh, have a read through a load of messages, and also answer the riddle. The riddle being a clip where which I played in the previous episode, and I told you you have to guess who speaks next and what they say. And of course, these are clips from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies. So let's have a listen to last week's clip just to remind us. Okay, so who speaks next? What do they say? Let's delve into the email inbox and it is absolutely rammed this time. I don't know whether it's too easy or... I don't know. Maybe it was just too easy. Who knows? We'll we'll, uh, we'll have a look. Maybe people just particularly keen getting in touch this time. Nick Colburn is the first emailer. He says, hey, Harry, long time listener, first time emailer. I always like reading that, but I also think, what, 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 what's taking you so long? But either way, uh, Nick says, congrats on winning the tournament. Um, was uh, great to finally hear you win. This is a, um, this is in reference to the uh, the slow grow league, of course. This is a, which is not necessarily the most competitive league, um, but you know, beating new newbies and children. But but um, it's either way. I I really did appreciate it. He said it was great to hear you finally win. Although it's a bit of a now what kind of uh, a, a bit of a now what. Kind of like watching a 1980s detective TV show where the two people are teasing, falling in love with each other, but carry on season after season till they finally do and the season ends. I hope that's not the fate of Entmoot, lol. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, the answer to the riddle has to be dot, dot, dot. These are the words in my head when I find a cool stick in the woods. Because never grow up. Uh, Nick from Alberta in Canada. Nick, thanks very much for getting in touch from Alberta in Canada. Um fantastic and i believe you have the correct answer although i've tried to disguise it a little bit to keep the suspense up let's have another email this is uh, from nathan talbot he says i've learned my lesson on waiting you're pumping out episodes almost daily at the minute and i keep missing the chance to answer riddles in the dark uh, yeah they were pretty quick uh, for a while in fact i kind of postponed this one a week just to allow for a bit of a break for a myself to edit and um, b for for louise my partner so that i can actually spend some time with her and c so that you guys can catch up with emails and it looks like that worked so uh, you say yeah but i keep missing the chance to answer riddles in the dark but after listening to the seven stones episode on release i'm pleased to be able to get one right away i had to go back and check because i wanted to be sure you hadn't gone with a warg attack specific scene but dot 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 is of course relevant the next line is someone someone lying <laughs> very good um oh i kind of want i kind of want to share your joke it's, it's quite amusing in fact let's screw it let's just uh, uh, throw caution to the wind are you correct we'll find out it says the next line is aragorn lying this is a good sword he'd already thrown that sword away halith son of hammer there is always hope then a five point armor upgrade aragorn a leggy making up and uh, gimli's lockdown belly <laughs> very good looking forward to uh, the next episode i also have my ticket paid for imps lord of the imps uh, i especially enjoyed the reference to a lothlorian ad- addition to the fellowship you mentioned in the previous episode i bet an unknown player who happens to be working on 200 nazgul is fuming and ranting again nathan <laughs> uh, that's a reference to um a little bit of an in joke or running gag that um i have with uh, nathan and uh, uh, jamie wiggins i don't know if you're listening jamie uh, about um Haldir. Um, because uh, I gave someone an extra Haldir for their army at one point, and he wasn't very happy about this after losing to that army. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Carl Daly's email. He says, First time I'm actually emailing in because I forgot after listening in the car regularly. On this occasion, I was making a cup of tea and immediately turned to my daughter and said, 
this is a good sword, which is, of course, said by Aragorn to Haleth prior to the Siege of Helm's Deep. I'm really enjoying the podcast and also Battle Games and Middle-Earth videos. Specifically liked your trip to Ireland video. I thought it was really cool that you got to explore. Will you be doing that sort of thing again in the future in the different towns slash cities you visit? Battle Games and Middle-Earth, an SBG travel guide. Ha-ha, he says. Keep up the good work and really looking forward to attending Lord of the Imps in October for the first time. I'll be hoping my Theodrid's Guard do well on day one before the awful but super themey th- Fords of Eisenlist on day two drowns in the river. Cheers, Carl. Um, I, let's start with Lord of the Imps. I'm really hoping you uh, enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it myself. I'm still working on expanding it. I've been to see a bigger room at the university, which looks like it would work. I just uh, need to get the final details organised. So uh, watch this space. There may well be about 20 more spaces um, in the Lord of the Imps tournament in October opened up very soon. We will see. Uh, watch this space. Uh, second thing, um, will you be doing more videos, uh, kind of your travel video trips to Ireland video? Uh Honestly, probably not immediately, because usually what I do is I, when I go to a, um, a, a tournament, I go, I arrive on either the Saturday morning, um, bleary-eyed after getting up early, or I arrive Friday night um, and sort of either go straight to bed or have a couple of drinks and have socialise. Um, I don't tend to find much time to actually visit the city, um, other than maybe go to a couple of pubs or whatever and see a bit of the sights in the evening. The The reason that that video w- was possible was because um, Louise really wanted to go to Ireland and I wanted to go to Ireland, so we combined it into a trip and it made some videos basically so um that's the reason uh i i would love to do that again i'd love to come up with more creative ideas to in uh sort of insert into into my youtube videos um and i'm glad you liked it because i really love making it um i would highly recommend battle camper for that kind of stuff content though um he's just fantastic alex temple uh, makes some great videos he and that's kind of where i stole the idea from so credit where credit's due carl check out alex uh, temple's videos battle camper on youtube um Yes, and I believe you got the riddle correct. Uh, Russell Priest says, it's definitely Aragorn this time, brackets. This is a good sword. However, slightly callous to have have a line addressed to Haleth after your exploits at Seven Stones, Russell Priest. Uh, yeah, of course, um, people are starting to get it that this is, of course, a reference to the army we took to Seven Stones. Michael and I took a warg attack army, and of course, Haleth, son of Hammer, my lord. Uh, is is the, the person it's speaking to. And of course, Sean Sproul gets in touch. He says, this is a good sword. Aragorn to Haleth, I think. Hammer's son. Uh, thanks very much for that brief one. Um, Cameron Clo- uh, Cochran uh, has got a really long one. Um, and also, it's interesting um, that Cameron says... Uh, it's, it's flagged as is it phishing uh, Cameron Cochran has never sent you messages using this email address avoid replying to this email unless you contact the sender by another means to ensure this email address is legitimate um, which is suspicious and strange but anyway I'm pretty sure it's Cameron Cochran because uh, I know him he's painting on a forum on YouTube hello Harry it's been a while since I actually emailed in and I do apologise for that been a hectic time at paints on a forum HQ uh, your wild attack army seems great I love the theme of it having hammer out in front and foot was quite a fun idea yeah it was actually um, we loved it doubles theme is something that's on my mind as I'm attending the last alliance doubles in Scotland at the end of July my friend and I are planning on running a double mimic list at 900 points army of the south legend religion or whatever it's called yeah grand army of the south don't forget the grand um as for the actual riddle i believe it's the scene when eowyn is swinging her sword around and aragorn blocks it and says 
you have some skill with a blade. Hopefully this is right, and it would link into your Warg Attack-themed army. As always, thank you for everything you do in the MESBG scene. Keep up the good work and take care. Yours in hobby, Cameron. Paints on the four-up. Uh, Cameron, thank you very much. Sadly, not not quite the scene, although that is a good one, and that kind of would make sense. Um, obviously, no Eowyn in my army, but then also there's no Halith in uh, my army last episode. But uh, you've got the right sort of area, and it's very close. Um and it's, so, and it's just before the wag attack, isn't it? So, um, unlucky, but very close. Very close. You've got uh, the right person, but not quite the right uh, the right moment. So, I'll give you a half a point for that, Cameron. Scott Brent gets in touch. He says, Hi, Harriet. First, I thought this was the moment in the 2000s when Eowyn was practicing with her blade in the Rohan feasting hall, just like Cameron. However, uh, with how Vigo Rus... Hmm. the swings are I now think my best guess is the part when Aragorn is swinging the poor peasant boy's battered sword in those dark moments before the battle for Helm's Deep next line this is a good sword said by Aragorn film two towers regular listener first time guesser keep the amazing pods coming Scott Brent excellent uh, thanks very much, Scott. Uh, y- yeah, you're, you're, well, you seem to be consistent with a lot of other people, so that's great to hear. Uh, Matt Davies. Oh, is that Matt Davies of Generation Shift fame? Uh, I think it may be. He says, Hi, Harry. It was an absolute pleasure to play you both at Seven Stones. Really missing it now. Ha ha ha. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's such a great uh, tournament, isn't it? Um, Riddles in the Dark is Aragorn in Medjuselt just before he parries Aaron's blade, and he says, You have some skill with a blade. Keep meaning to comment every episode, but I keep forgetting. Take care, bud. Uh, Matt, you're wrong. Ah, no, that's so sad. You, you've got in touch. Um, you say you, you mean to do it every episode, but you've got in touch. You've got the right person, but you've fallen into the trap that uh, Cameron fell into a few minutes ago. It is actually Aragorn, but not in that moment, we think. Let's find out in a second. Harry, uh, this is from Michael Cheney. Final email. Uh, Harry, I've recently gotten tuned in and have been enjoying your show immensely. Thanks for all your hard work. As for the riddle, I believe I'm up to date with Moot55. I like that. So as the first abbreviation I've read, Moot55. Uh, the scene is in Helm's Deep as the belaggered defenders make ready for the Uruk onslaught. Aragorn is encouraging Haleth, question mark, son of Hammer. Uh, you can hear the sword whoosh through the air as Aragorn swings it. The next words are Aragorn's this is a good sword. Haleth, son of Hammer. There is always hope. Uh, I recently moved from the US to Kosovo for work with an NGO, he says. I am working on building an MESBG community here, but I was wondering if you know of anyone in the region who's already playing. I know there are a fair few in Greece, but that's about the closest I've been able to locate. Any connections and introductions you can provide to your listenership would be greatly appreciated. On my bucket list now is to play in at least one GBHL event. Hopefully, when I do, we'll have the chance to connect face-to-face. Until then, carry on, and best of luck making the most of all these pretty new Easterling releases. Cheers, Michael Cheney. Um, I don't know anyone in Kosovo. Hopefully, um, if anyone is listening who is in Kosovo or near to Kosovo, um, or maybe even doing uh, working with an NGO in Kosovo, you never know who is out there. Uh, maybe we can uh, we can connect you guys. Um, I'd love to be able to be the uh, the, the the sort of people who uh, piece you together. Um, and of course, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure anyone in Kosovo knows where Kosovo is. Um, but for those who aren't aware, it's in near Montenegro, Albania, north of Greece, south of Serbia and east of kind of Croatia and those sorts of places. Um, So if you're vaguely in that area, Bulgaria, Romania, um, then maybe, maybe, just maybe uh, you might be able to connect and it might be worth uh, visiting uh, visiting Michael. Um, Now, Michael also adds a PS, which I'm embarrassed to say I've been thinking about this for a very long time. 
and I've not done it yet, and I really should have. He says, P.S. I don't recall you ever playing Fangorn, though I've not listened to every episode yet. I'd love to hear your thoughts on my favourite faction. I'll also offer up the controversial opinion that I hope Beachbone never gets an official model, because having to convert or sculpt one is much more unique, which is characteristic of the faction. Thanks. Yeah, Michael, uh, you bang on the money. I've never used Fangorn um, at a tournament for the podcast. I have used Fangorn at tournaments in the past. Um, In fact, at doubles uh, seven stones, I used... um, uh, with Michael, um, we used uh, the Ents, lots of Ents, when they weren't very good in the previous edition. I also have used an Ent, um, Treebeard, Tom Bombadil combo with, I can't think what else I had in that army. I think there would have been Hobbits, loads of Hobbits, uh, Treebeard and um, Tom Bombadil, which I thought would be really filthy, but actually people just killed all the Hobbits. Um, but uh, it was uh, it was good fun. I'm, and yes, you're right, I really should. And I have used a video, uh, uh, for, filmed a video on the podcast, uh, on the YouTube channel, sorry, uh, featuring the Ent as well. So uh, maybe check that out if you want a bit of Ent content from me. But, no, I haven't, and it will come at some point. But, uh there we go. That's the last email. Michael Cheney, thank you very much for getting in touch. Um, and people who can, of course, email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com uh, if you live in Kosovo or near Kosovo uh, and want to want me to connect you guys together. Um, and also, if you know the answer to the riddle in the dark, here is the answer for the last riddle. This is a good sword. Ali, son of Hammer. There is always hope. Yeah, it, it was, of course. It was linked to uh, the Wag attack because I thought we uh, had so much focus on Hammer, who does say things, but not an awful lot. Um, you know, I I couldn't quite find a moment for Hammer that would um, would be easily disguisable, if you know what I mean. Um, with clips, often um, you need to have enough time before someone speaks um, for it to be disguised. Because if it was just Gandalf the White meeting Hammer and having his staff taken off him, that would be a bit rubbish. Because um, you, you'd be able to get it straight away. So uh, it was Haleth, summer of Hammer Mine. Uh, which I always thought he said, hammer mine. I always thought it was that, but my lord or my liege, I think, um, who he, he's given him a sword, and then Aragorn says the uh, says that you know this is a good sword, which Nathan quite rightly points out. I'm not convinced it is a great sword. It looks pretty rubbish. Um, anyway, uh, this Entmoot's riddle goes to something a little like this. Hmm. What do we think? Who speaks next? What do they say? Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you have the answer to who speaks next and what they say. Here we go. There's someone to listen. Hmm. One more time. One more time. Podcast at gmail.com who speaks next what do they say get in touch Podcast at gmail.com and of course feel free to comment on the quality or lack of quality uh, or whatever uh, happens in the episode now uh, lots to come and uh, very excited uh, we've got some uh, big tournaments coming up as well um, in a couple of weeks time so hopefully you should have enough time to uh, to get your emails in 
and your answers to the riddle in the dark and also uh, some cool content coming up on the youtube channel in the coming weeks and months as well so uh maybe plenty to comment on uh, with that as well but with that in mind we've done the riddle we've uh, built an army i think it's time to head down to winchester and take on whatever army it is first i've got the eastlings i've got the pass for the druid and we'll see which one we end up using we could end up using all of them once uh, we could end up splitting it down the middle uh, we could end up, i don't know we'll just find out in a few seconds let's head to the tables I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So game one, City of Kings playing Command the Battlefield and because we both have good and evil armies in this tournament we rolled off at the start so I will use my Pass of the Druiden uh, list against Ashley Woolger's Mordor list. Now give us a summary of uh, what you've got in this force because there's some juicy stuff in there. Yeah, so I've got um, the Witch King uh, on his armoured horse. I've got Kardash the Firecaller, uh, Goroth and Saladin for that all-important six-inch banner. Absolutely, and, and joining them is like 10 or thereabouts trackers, the Moranans, a couple of Serpent Riders, uh, and that's pretty much it. But a lot of Moranans, about 40, 45 models. So, um, with that in mind, command the battlefield, uh, Maelstrom deployment, um, f facing up against a Rohan army with lots of movement, also potentially a squishy warband. Um, how did you fancy your chances? Uh Coming into it, I was a little bit um, anxious because I thought Rohan command the battlefield. They've got the movement advantage. I thought if I can attack maybe the Woeses quickly, I could get one of the squishy warbands down. Um, I got quite lucky with my Maelstrom rolls coming on as my full army together. Um, but at the start of the game, yeah, I was a little bit anxious. Fair enough. Yeah, I, th I think yeah, you you I think you spent one point a might to a might a three to a four to keep your whole army together. Yeah. I was a little less lucky. Um, my Theoden uh, and Darewine didn't come on for the first couple of turns. I, I mighted a roll of a two down to a one for Theoden. He was my first warband, and I was coming out after you, so I did that. Darewine rolled a one twice. Uh, Theoden rolled a second one, but eventually they did all come on pretty much together. Um, I had to spend another point a might on Theoden, so not a great start. I had to be quite cautious with Theoden through this game because of that, especially with a Witch King and a. Cardus kicking about. I really wanted to save the uh, uh, save the might for potentially resisting something particularly um, particularly scary from from the Witch King. But w once once we got stuck in, and um, you were quite keen to launch your army forward. You had a drum, you had a march, and you wanted to kind of, I guess, to nullify the shooting. Was that was that the logic behind it? Yeah. So I um, after my whole army had come on, I drummed for a turn, and then I thought, oh, I seized my opportunity while Thaden was still at the back of the map to drum and march forward. Um, I think it was a bit too keen. Uh, the shooting probably wouldn't have done as much damage as your first charge did, uh, where as I had extended my line so far, your first charge was very, very devastating. Yeah, I mean, that initial charge was probably a bit of a, a, bit of a faux pas on your behalf because you, you'd marched 15 inches or thereabouts forward with all of your guys and I, I thought you'd had a plan to maybe compel one of my guys or one of my heroes into Suladan, um, and and then because you had the move with the Witch King to do that, but you never uh, you, you moved or kept him quite um, safe at the back. Fair enough, but uh, it meant that that Suladan had this screen of Moranans in front of him, where I could kind of 
pick my fights with the Royal Guard to get the fight four, and, and so I ended up just char uh, uh, the fight five, sorry, and just charge all of my guys and pick off some really key moments. And I think I ended up killing six or seven guys in that charge, and I'd gotten quite lucky with the shooting before that, so I'd killed two already. So I was already in the first turn nine up, and I think I'd only lost one or maybe two riders. Which and then of course I had Elfham right at the front, threatening Sullivan, Deowine right at the front, um, or he sort of arrived in time. So I had a strike next to Sullivan. So Sullivan was really in trouble. I called the move the next turn. Oh no, actually no, you didn't. You just didn't bother calling a move. What was the logic behind that? Because I did, I did use a little bit of mind games. I said, remember, you're less likely to win the move off because of my pass of the Jordan special rule. Did that? Did that put you off? So that definitely swayed me. Um, as soon as you told me that special rule, I was like. Well, there's no point in wasting my might, but um, a 33% chance is still better than just getting charged. Um, I think the combination of the charge bonus and the fight value bonus, I didn't really take into consideration as much as I should have. Um, is it the fight, just the fight value? I didn't need the strength. I've rolled a lot of sixes without the, the strength yeah. bonus, to be fair. Uh, not the strength bonus, sorry. I meant the charge bonus of the dice. So having oh, yeah. the yeah, yeah. more dice and then having the fight value and the strength. And the knockdown, yeah. And the knockdown was, was, was very cruel. Um, but I didn't, talking about the compel, I didn't even think about compelling Sullivan to s keep him safe, which actually would have been a much smarter idea. I think if you'd have compelled something forward into Sullivan and then maybe sent some Moranans in front of them, and then Sullivan could have heroic combated off and, and killed some of those riders that were, were inevitably going to charge the, the, yeah. uh, the Moranans. That would have been a smart move. But it's fair enough, you, you didn't see it. But the, um, I think you're right, the, maybe that second move off as well. If you'd have pressured for the move off I, I could sense you were cautious about Darewine having three points of might to strike with yeah. um, if, if it had gone the, the right way I think if you'd have called with a Sullivan move and maybe lost it but I'd have had to count, count, count score with Elfham he'd have had less might and then you could have got the Witch King into um, paralyze or sorry uh, immobilize um, Darewine instead of doing a black dart well you wanted to black dart his horse out of him which went badly unfortunately it just, you just didn't yeah. roll the right dice yeah well in the cases of, I guess, with Elfhelm having Horse Lord, it probably wasn't the right move, but I wasn't thinking about that at the time. If you black dot a horse, unless they roll a six, they, it's basically the same effect as Transfix, just they've also now not got a horse. Um, but trying to cast with three will and the reroll, I didn't even get higher than a three, so the Transfix probably would have been the... It was a safer bet, I guess. A safer bet, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then Sullivan would have had the fight value. I mean, he actually ended up w winning the fight, I think, in the end. But, uh, but either way, I think that would have been a better way to spend your resources. Uh, but it's all hypothetical because you ended up killing all that stuff. Uh, you took Dayawine off his horse in the end. But I think what, what really helped me here was that, that loss of 10 warriors early on and then just having the momentum every turn after that. Just time of the round's done so and, and that, that just gave me the momentum every turn pretty much because you just I think you were so reluctant to, to call that heroic move off because you wanted to spend your might on other things that, yeah. that I think that, that pretty much lost you the game and because I got a lot of movement I could hide third and behind a, a building in one corner of my map to take the corner that I came on and also save my leader and the other the Woeses were just kind of swarming forward against a relatively weakened um, flank on your side but um, you were clever, you did hide some guys behind some terrain, but alas, it wasn't quite enough. No, um, I think, looking at the board now, if I would have saved maybe even half of those guys at the start, so say you only killed five rather than ten, you haven't got too many cavalry still left in the middle. I think killing your banner with Kardash was the best thing he did, definitely worth the might point. Absolutely. Um, and maybe if I was sneakier with, say, four guys in that corner, that could have grabbed me... 
uh, two VPs because you wouldn't have seen them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a really good move, hiding some guys behind the terrain. But and, and actually, I think perhaps one of your, your your flaws was marching straight into the middle. The middle, of course, in command the battlefield isn't <laughs> isn't worth anything. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, I've got a really big advantage. If I tarp it you down in the center, I've got the movement, so I can send my cavalry round into the corners, grab the corners, take take the objectives potentially because you've just lost so much stuff or yeah. or that you have so much stuff stuck in the middle. And looking at the map now, yeah, most of your remaining dudes are in the middle, um, and which is of course completely useless. So um, it, it's a bit of a shame because I, th I think that though that one one mistake early on was really was really punished, and and I I do think I got some very lucky rolls. I, I did kill when I needed to kill, um, but I think I wouldn't have been able to punish, uh, wouldn't have been able to use my luck to such great gain if it wasn't for that early initial move, which. I guess it's just the way of things, you know. Often these things can spiral out of control. Yeah, um, re-looking at the board uh, in hindsight, um, there is a huge piece of terrain that was difficult in the middle, and then placing my hill in the only bit of open space constricted my army even further, and yeah, definitely marching up too quickly wasn't the right play. I needed to take my time. As you heard, the round was only called about five minutes ago, so we finished probably with half an hour still to play. Yeah. And the Witch King finishing on seven or eight wheel and still having a might point, I could have played a lot more conservatively uh, in order to allow the battlefield to be dictated a bit better for me. I agree. Uh, one, uh, the, we mentioned a putting the terrain down. We both in this tournament we can bring a bit of terrain and put it on the board wherever we want, which I found quite helpful. Um, but uh, the, the, the other thing that we haven't touched on yet is the. Um, the waypoint markers that we've got, we've got quite a good bit of uh, terrain. So my Path of the Druidan um, have waypoints which I can put in terrain, ignore that terrain, um, and one terrain in particular, very close to the centre of the board, was quite open terrain but still difficult, which I could move straight through, uh, and the same with another one that I deployed in my zone, which I could just skip straight around, which uh, you couldn't, which, which just really helped. So those waypoint markers don't always come into ha help, but this time they were really, really very helpful. Um, either way, Ashley, it was a 10-0 victory to me in the end, which is good for this tournament because it's all about VPs, not wins. But um, uh, yeah, I think, I think you, hopefully, hopefully you've, uh, uh, yeah, you've, you, you did a good, you, you played really well, just that one mistake. And I think if you changed that, it would have been a lot, lot closer. Yeah. Um Definitely, in hindsight, the huge piece of difficult terrain in the middle of the board doesn't matter. So I should have not actually tried to engage you anywhere near the yeah. piece of difficult terrain in the middle. Um, but I really had a lot of fun. Um, it was a good practice game for the games coming up for the rest of this event. Uh, I'll be able to learn from my mistakes and hopefully... Uh, fare a bit better with Mordor in the future. Yeah, submarine it on the way up. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the tournament, Ashley. Well, thanks for the game. Thank you very much, Harry. It was a pleasure. So game number two, and it's Domination. And uh, playing with my good army again uh, against Scott Warren's evil Angmar force. Oh, no, Angmar. They're back again. Uh, playing, they're back. They're back. So Domination, uh, we're trying to grab objectives. Um, first of all, Scott, what was your sort of game? Well, actually, let's summarise your list first, and then we'll talk about your game plan. So, um... I normally play Angmar, um, there's been a lot of hate on them and Barrow Whites lately, so I thought I'd go with the Shade, um, try something a bit different. And yeah, I'm being, being real nice yeah. with the Shade, yeah, 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 yeah. sure. <laughs> and also, again, a, a bit of strategy, I thought people going into it will like tech against the magic, so with the Shade I'm less reliant on it. Um, and so I went with Witch King on the Foul Beast, Gulliver, and then just like Orcs, couple Wall Riders and the Shade, only one Spectre. Yeah. Um, and a captain as well you got in there. Captain, yeah. yeah, captain on a warg, 
Um, so yeah, and it's a terrain piece you can bring as well. So I was a little bit gamey in my terrain piece. <laughs> I basically brought a big wall which I could hide the monsters behind if I'm playing against heavy shooting armies and um, they can also go on top of it so yeah it, it was quite smart and, and during the uh, placement of the objectives you dropped your uh, your little token on top of there as well so so I kind of at the start I knew that it's gonna be very hard for me to get that objective a because I've got a lot of cavalry so it's gonna be hard for me to climb up but B because at the end of the game you could always just flap up there and take it and yeah. um, so that that was interesting and um, you put one in another one in the tower as well which I did take um, and basically deployed my woeses or five of my woeses in the tower knowing that Gulliver and the Witch King couldn't charge in and take it from yeah. me. So that's good. That's a start. Um, what, what was your game plan here? What were you aiming to achieve? The so game plan was, was with my terrain piece, I put it up in the middle because it's domination 24-inch deployment. And I basically um, strategically place it where there's like a 13-inch gap so that the Shades Aura will get every single fight in that bottleneck. So that was a strategy there. And then it's basically put the two monsters in the lineup, and then that they've got to strike to use a point of might, and then they can get to the six, so you've got to use another point of might. And then I've got defense on Gulliver, so then basically use the might up, and then when they're out of might, the two monsters can just go mop everything up. So play aggressive, get on the get get on the objectives to stop you from going on them, and then yeah, basically just play aggressive, kill stuff, and try and keep keep control of the objectives, basically. And it went tremendously well for you, uh, it must be said. I mean, I did deploy a flanking force of Woeses about, uh, so I had five in the tower, the rest of the Woeses went to the left around another big block of uh, scenery uh, in the centre, round to try and capture the other objective. I'd hoped maybe I'd churn through some of the guys at the back and maybe take that objective. Uh, or ideally die or lose all, enough dudes to kind of break and uh, have, have the game end in time to sort of leave myself with two objectives. But the centre just collapsed like a deck of cards. It was an absolute yeah. cluster yeah. fuck, really. It really was. I spent a lot of might to try and win combats and I spent uh, a lot yeah. of might striking and things like that. You wasn't even rolling the six in the dual roll, so you was having to spend two points of might. And then with the, the orcs to face off your flanking force, I just basically moved them back so it took you longer and you couldn't get the shots off. And then by the time I mopped up in the middle, I then heroic combated both the monsters to go around and support that side. So you just couldn't get it quick enough, really, could you? Yeah, it, it was really difficult. I mean, around the side there, I think there's absolutely nothing left. They all ran away or died. Um, so, yeah, that, that heroic combat, was, it was just exactly the right time. If it was a turn later, it might have, might have lent into me a little bit and helped me out a bit, but it was just perfectly timed. Uh, the heroes all died fairly quickly. I mean, I, I wasn't magic very often, but the, the shade did a lot of the work I there. I think I used two points of will and one spell. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got yeah. two, two on one spell and a couple of combats, so yeah. sort of four or five will in total, yeah. something like that. So it didn't really cast any magic. Yeah, you didn't yeah. need to. You just no. didn't need to. I mean, I you have fight seven on Gulliver, so if I strike, great. But you know, you've got a shade, think, so it doesn't really matter. I think also where you're paying the paths of Druid and you won every roll off, so you managed to tag the Witch King up. So yeah. you didn't even really give me a chance to to cast. So I think that was probably a bit of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did get all those th things in my favour. That's true, uh, but just losing the combats so often and and very early on, I, I sort of, I did a couple of sort of all eggs in one basket type job where I sort of sent a load of royal guard into the witch king stopping heroic combat. So I had five or something on him, um, and they were fight five. So you you struck, fine, you killed all of them or four of them, um, and then I'd lost a lot of royal guard, lost a lot of bodyguard, and, my, and from then on it was kind of. 
yeah, it, it was just it was just kind of an inev inevitability that was was coming down the track. I, I, I generally think the terrain piece is helping me massively mm. because being able to cause a shade bottleneck on the table and say I'm fighting in this area when you've got two big bits of terrain that you have to go around, it's going to take you four turns to get around. Yeah. Um, so then just, just basically having the shade maximising, it's, yeah, it's really paying off for me. Yeah, that's, I, I didn't realise that you deployed that terrain, the, the terrain piece we're allowed to drop on the table exactly the, the right width. That's really smart, really smart move. And, and you, you know, you said, said at the start, it's a bit gamey, the size of it and the strange thing. But, I'm you know, that, that's... I'm embracing it. Yeah, that's I, I fine. Know yeah. I know people can hate, but... No, I, I love it. It's a tournament, <laughs> and I've said to everyone, it is gamey, it's what I've done, but it's going to work. Yeah, <laughs> and it has worked. You, you deployed that, you got the objective there uh, relatively quickly after a couple of turns of an orc climbing up this building. And then you, you have the sense and I, I had a sort of maybe a chance of getting a, a surviving at the end with a, a, a either Elfhelm or one of the yeah. or uh, one of the riders on the objective, but it just was far too little, just too late. Him, I? Yeah, yeah, just got him on the end. I'm not the only one here. I think there's like a few like assault legions which put swamps down to make it slower to get to yeah, them, yeah. and so it's interesting to have this uh, have something like this. Yeah, so it, it's a completely uh, interesting extra dynamic to. Um, to, to be able to add to the to the game and you know Gullivar and the Witch King they're so hard to beat and um, Angmar generally whether Shade or Barrow Whites it's very difficult it's a really solid army I mean I killed two four six seven of your orcs I've made I took a fate off the Witch King and I think I chopped yeah and I think I chopped down Gully I probably killed him Technically, uh, I've scored enough wounds to kill him, but you healed them all I back. I think you did four, four or five wounds yeah. to, to Gulliver. So I did, did enough yeah. to kill him, but he obviously heals them back, so that sucks. Yeah. Either way, Scott, it, it was a cracking game. You ended up winning 10-2, yeah. um, so I did retain one of the objectives, but you killed everything in my, my army and quartered me, uh, and I only killed seven of yours. So uh, a resounding victory, and you're heading off to the top table, I'm guessing, or certainly up there. <laughs> uh, and a big shout-out for your uh, channel as well, SW Miniatures. Yeah, yeah, SW Miniatures do a lot of battle reports and stuff like that on YouTube so yeah I enjoy it love the hobby and want it to grow absolutely well Scott it's a pleasure to play you uh, congratulations on the win best yeah. of luck for the rest of the and tournament you, mate thank you very much take care game number three hold ground and playing uh, good versus evil and um, I believe but you only have the evil army so that's why I ended up playing with my good army uh, for the third time today which is exciting maybe the Easterlings can do some work tomorrow but uh, playing against Bert Leach and you have the Urukai Legendary Legion with the do two siege bows. So just run run us through the exact details of the list, and we'll go from there. Uh, cool. So it's uh, two ballistas, and then there's a choice between a bomb, a ballista, or infinite dudes. And I thought infinite dudes with 15 crossbows just deals with more scenarios a bit better. Um, so yeah, we went went with that and got got stuck in with two big D7 captains. Yeah. Further could deal with deal with most things. Shield shield up should be good. Absolutely. And uh, of course, hold ground. We've already played one Maelstrom mission at uh, this uh, tournament. They, they're just going, it's like the Wild West. <laughs> so you, we can end up playing two Maelstrom missions, which is annoying. But I thought that might be a good thing for you. How did you feel about the scenario when it came out? Uh, hold ground, you're having to deploy your, your siege ballistas potentially in a place where they get rampaged over first turn. So generally speaking, uh, I've lost every single Maelstrom game I've ever played. Um, so that's why I deployed... Uh, if I uh, Harry was on the north north side, I was on the south side, and I just deployed. I burnt a load of might to deploy in one massive block, all in one go. So the ballistas were kind of safe. I'm not going to get uh, trapped by a big cav charge instantly. Um, so I think from there, I rolled fairly well. I think it's fair to say that you had 
the world's worst luck when it came to Maelstrom rolls. Only one out of four warbands actually appeared. Yeah, that was that was the first turn. I think the second turn, the same happened. Uh, it was it was annoying because I had third and drop in on the first turn, and I thought, well, if I spend enough might to get everyone in the same place, um, in a sort of, I, I kind of thought I'll go for the siege ballistas because you had quite a thin line on one of the sides of your uh, your siege ballistas. So I thought, well, I'll drop my third in there, reinforce them with everything else. And then send them all into uh, into there. The second turn, I'm going to have to cop one shot. I knew that would happen. But second turn, there's going to be more combats. I'll be able to throw some heroic combats in there. Churn through some dudes. It's going to be amazing. Going to kill you all in one turn, and then I'll be off off to the middle because you don't start taking courage checks until 66%. Uh, and then uh, basically they didn't arrive, and then nobody else turned up ever <laughs> I felt like yeah. for the first few turns so Thaden was kind of taking on a whole Urukai army on his own and took a ballista bolt to the face on turn one like, I think with, with two ballistas you're with no, with no other in the ways you are kind of a favourite to cop one to the face um, at the very least with all cav you're going to not be knocked off your horse extremely quickly uh, so that was, that was kind of a guarantee but I think trying to move into 800 points with the angry Urukai with one warband of eight models Generally speaking, it's a lot of angry dudes with pointy swords. Yeah, and it didn't go well. It didn't go well at all. Um, I think, but you suggested uh, I probably heroic, I heroic combated with Thedon to try and get out of a sticky spot, and I kind of just I, I did it wrong. I thought I wanted to get stuck into the middle uh, to try and block off your captain from coming in, but I didn't judge the uh, measurements right. I probably should have just ran away in that first turn. I think so. Um, I think even, even if you do run away, I've got a bunch of might there. I can heroic combat into him, and then once, once he gets bogged down, there's only so much angry Urukai that you can cop. He did... The one thing that did do is it delayed probably about half my army getting like, round a Rohan house into the middle of the board, um, which, again, thanks to some... So Harry did quite well in the middle of the, middle of the game, but then rolled hideously for Maelstrom and rolled god-awful for, for the end of the game. Mm. I think any one of maybe three rolls could have clinched it, at least two. Yeah. And... Um, for the first time all game, Harry couldn't roll low. Yeah, yeah, it was it was annoying because um, I think if, if if the game had ended when uh, when we when I first broke, I'd have been in a safe position. I'd have had the objective in the middle. I'd have been fine. Uh, the second turn, I was I had it, but it was definitely very close. And then the third one, um, it, it was you you had it, and then the fourth one we, we ended finally. Um, but I, I think I, I was kind of I thought I wondered whether I'd played it badly because I was relying on those one, uh, ones and two rolls to, to end the game at the right time because I, I wanted my Woses to die a lot quicker than they did and they just would not die and, and it's like really annoying because they're really defence three and stuff, uh, you've got the higher fight so I just thought I'd, I'd be able to get kills there or lose them but they didn't die and then nothing died as quickly as I'd hoped because my aim in the game was to send my Woses and Thay once Woses arrived Send the Roses and Theoden, die, break, send the other two warbands into the middle way before you had a chance to, to get in there. But it just kept going on and on and on. So I needed to get these kills somewhere. And I managed to wound your leader, but there were a couple of times when I, it, the roll-offs went your way and he just ended up doing some damage. The Uruk commander is, even though there's only one fate, he is a lot tougher than people give him credit for. Uh, he'll usually cop a wound, but once he's like backed up with pikes, it's rolling like five dice. He can shield at fight five. Um, having to burn at my early at the day when we couldn't strike as much and we have a moment where we were Elf Helm was only fight four and wouldn't do very well against a fight five commander um, so it was yeah there were some unlucky roll-offs um, and yeah, unlucky for the game ending other than that yeah well it, it was a cracking game it was really interesting especially because uh, it was one of those games that I felt like if I'd have 
given up at Theoden dying, which I think some people might have gone, oh, well, Theoden's died, my warband's come on in the wrong place, and it's all going to be very disastrous. I think that would have made for a really boring game for you. Um, but actually, because I really tried to get, the, get my guys into the middle, wall it off, and I, I successfully did that for a few turns, um, I thought I did quite well at that, and I'm really glad that I played for it. I ended up getting uh, a 10-2 loss, which is a shame, but, you know, it's okay. I'm quite happy with that. I, I, think, I think I did, did the best that I could with the I, circumstances I, I started with. I think if they hadn't like, committed to try, to, like, try and stay alive and take down that flank, um, then it would have meant another, like, 20 dudes coming right, coming right down the middle towards the objective. So it was it mostly hinged on those initial maelstrom rolls and, and just and being, being split up. Um, so, genuinely, I'd say 90% just really bad luck on Maelstrom and game ending. Well, there you go. Uh, but here, thank you very much for the game. It was a cracking one. Uh, well done. And also, uh, we, we managed to exchange um, patron gifts because you're a patron supporter of the podcast and the YouTube channel. And you've now got some mighty Entmoot Burarum dice to, to roll in your uh, rest of your tournament. I hope they roll high for you, despite ha you having beaten me today. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> uh, best, best of luck tomorrow. Cheers. So day number one is complete, and I must say I, I was really disappointed to have lost um, twice with the Pass of the Druid, and um, obviously I, I came up against uh, some of my dreaded nemesis uh, in Angmar, uh, and Scott Warren, fantastic player, um, he uh, was... Uh, just before this, I recorded this. I, he was doing very well in the um, Great British Hobbit League, uh, one of the top uh, top ten, I think, players or thereabouts. Um, so you know, n no shame there, no shame there. But I still have a chance. I've got three games tomorrow. No Easterlings yet. Um, I kind of, I almost don't want the Easterlings to come out now because I think if I let myself down and lose. Um, just one game or something with the Easterlings then they'll have a terrible win-loss ratio especially with all the exciting gubbins that's coming up uh, on the horizon uh, for Easterlings so um, yeah, fingers crossed uh, let's head over to the tables for game number four on day two and see what army I'm using Game four here at the City of Kings and we're playing Storm the Camp uh, I've come up against uh, Camille Domanski who has a good army and only a good army and it's the Fellowship of the Ring which means it's the Easterlings against the Fellowship in uh, Storm the Camp, which is an interesting one because we're trying to capture each other's objectives, a lot of movement involved. Uh, Camille, first of all, um, you've basically got the full fellowship, but you've got a bit of spice in there. You've added Smeagol. Yeah, I added Smeagol, yeah. Most of the people taking the Andril for Aragorn, so I, I decided to go more thematic, so I'll take the Smeagol, as we've seen in the movie, so... Yeah. That's, a, I think, a good choice. Good choice. Yeah. And extra, he's got extra might. Yeah. So yeah, it's true. He's good. I've, I've played him against against him before. He's really good. You've got a lovely thematic uh, display base as well, which is kind of uh, yes, all these you. different. Uh, it's like a circular uh, display base with a third of it dedicated to Amon Hen, a third of it uh, dedicated uh, dedicated to uh, sort of Balrog and. Uh, uh, Gollum sort of in the little pond underneath the Balrog thing. It, lo it looks absolutely fantastic. It must have taken a lot of work. Thank you. Oh yeah, it took me like two, three weeks to do that. Uh, the main reason was for the seven stones last week. And I decided why not to bring uh, and share with the other guys what I did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're all allowed to bring in a, a nice thematic terrain piece as well. And you bought this beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, bag end with a, a little uh, thematic Bilbo sat there. Well, even though he can't play in the game, he's he's having a great time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people just standing there and watching how the fraud is doing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's great. So let's move on to the game. Um, so Storm the Camp can be a bit of a swingy one. Um, it's it's an unusual one, um, especially for a small army like yourself. You've only got 10 models because Smeagol uh, and the Fellowship. Um, what was your plan going into this? 
So that's my second game against East Sterling. So I kind of knew what I have to do. So obviously, Rutabi, big tread. Uh, you had a drum, so you had like three turns. You can claim my camp. So my target was kill the Rutabi, get rid of your master battle or rule, or, and then just to try to break you. Yeah, and and to be fair, you did all of those with 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 in about two turns, three turns, something like that. It was very good, and I, I'd I'd kind of shielded Rotabi with one or two Eastlings at the front. Um, I think I was focusing mainly on worrying about Legolas uh, shooting at her, um, and I had a Amder and the line of the Dragon Knight and the. Uh, Cataphract drummer sort of lined up behind a wall so you couldn't get them. So I thought, right, okay, the drum, I need to protect the drum, this is key. Um, marched myself forward um, and I just got into range of, of a compel, which um, you managed to get the whole fellowship uh, onto one guy and then her at combat off into the front line. And that was quite early on, and you took out Ratabian qu quite quickly, which, which was, I guess, I was playing A down three points of might and B uh, the Bastard of Battle, which of course is essential. But I think from then on, I, I thought. I don't really know how I win this other than by taking your camp. So from there on, it was kind of making sure that I just get to the camp. Yeah, that's true. With more numbers, I think that was your uh, only choice to do. Because uh, you can easily outnumber me, trap me. And obviously with your special route from the uh, Cataphract that you can get to my point back for killing. Yeah, the Dragon Knight and also Amda. Yeah, Mary and Pippin is an easy target. So we can always heroic combat, get the my point back. Next turn, heroic combat again. So that's works for you only once yeah it was because I'd, I'd marched the uh, dragon knight around the corner around the edge and i, I was sort of threatening mary and pippin who were right at the back and i got the charge off our, i know you you charge into I mary you, yeah, yeah just to slow me down basically yeah and just neglect your extra attack yeah. and knock down rule but obviously with one attack pippin not much. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's not the kind. Of, he's not a warrior really that's capable of taking the dragon knight on. But I, I think I didn't know whether it was a mistake or not. But I char I um, went with the dragon knight and charged into Gimli. Gimli was on um, Amder at the same at that time. Uh, so it was Gimli and Gandalf fighting um, Amder. Uh, so I thought, well, if I take Gimli off, then actually I've got a decent chance of. Uh, of winning and Amdo could maybe live and fight another day and and he did survive but of course he was he was immobilized and uh, and knocked off his horse pretty much the rest of the game so yeah but then we had to split the combats but yeah. Gandalf was on yeah, him yeah. and Gimli was for oh he was furious after the peeping he was yeah. furious that's why he managed to kill you yeah he took he took out the dragon knight who just reclaimed his point of might back so so it was basically from that point I I I think it broke maybe the, that turn or the turn after. And it, we had this incredible end game where, where I, I was sort of trying to get into the camp. I already had five or six or maybe more in the camp, but I'd broken. But of course, Eastlings are pretty good when they're broken. So it's um, they, they courage for, uh, well, the normal guys are courage four because you get plus one when they're broken. And the Acolytes and the Black Dragons are courage five. So you kind of went, well, I'll kill some of the lower courage guys off, left a load of black dragons and acolytes kind of trailing in the middle. And I just needed a few of them to, to fail their courage test in order to, to run away, but they just weren't doing it. Yeah, the courage fight, I was happy that they stayed, but maybe my bad was I didn't calculate the numbers before, like two turns before, so I could shield more with Boromir. And yeah, that was my, my, my fault a little bit. Yeah. Which, because I needed one more turn. Yeah. yeah. One more turn. So we're literally, we're standing here on uh, Camille's deployment zone. I've got one guy in the um, in his camp, and uh, all of the rest of them either ran away. I think there was only two uh, who ran away, 
all, all charged into um, the, the fellowship who were basically there, hoping that they'd all die. Uh, and Camille, you used to, uh, what I thought was quite a tricksy move on the, uh, the Casfat drummer. Yeah, we wasn't sure how the rules actually work, so we have to uh, call for TO, because uh, Aragorn and Gimli charged the drummer. Oh, I, I charged them. Oh, uh, yeah, you charged me, yeah, but I, I won the combat, and we, we wasn't sure if I can put all these tracks into a horse. So, actually, TO was on my side. Yeah. <laughs> Which is annoying. If I'd have known that before, I could have charged, dismounted, and, uh, and then, then you wouldn't have had a chance. But yeah, either yeah, way, yeah. it was okay, because it all came down to one fight with uh, a Black Dragon or whatever fighting against Legolas. Of course, Legolas has only got two attacks, but um, all of the others had might, so I didn't want to charge, uh, charge uh, Gandalf or whatever, because he could heroic combat off me and into my camp, or into your camp. So it came down to your two dice against my uh, Black Dragon. I rolled a six, and I was like, oh no, why do I have to do this on a stab? And then but Legolas managed to clinch it, he won the fight, and then uh, he managed to kill that one guy, which brought me down to eight guys, um, which ended the game that turn. Your fellowship is definitely gonna take the camp the next turn. Um, and But I, I've got one guy in the camp, so I claimed your camp, you didn't touch mine, you basically yeah. gave up on it. Yeah, yeah that's true, with 10 models, uh, it's very difficult to claim opponent's camp when you have like 24 inches distance and being unnumbered 4 to 1 yeah. because 40 models against 10 I need to be in combat and yeah. kill as many models as possible absolutely but but it one more turn you'd have had it as it came down I think it probably came as a pretty fair fair uh, score it kind of reflective of the match it was a 6-6 six, six draw because I, I have the numbers so I'm gonna have a big advantage so I'm gonna get the camp but you absolutely annihilated me in the middle. Uh, and like you say, one more turn, uh, if that fight had gone a different way with Legolas, uh, it, it could be a very, very different story. Or as you say, if you'd have shielded a couple of turns earlier with, um, with Boromir, then you know, you'd, have, you'd have taken your camp back and it would have been a, a pretty resounding loss to me. Well, not resounding, but it would have been 6-0 loss to me, which is a big deal. Either way, Camille, draw, 6-all draw, storm the camp. My East Hillings have, have yielded something of a, a success today, but um, there's only one game in the tournament and they've drawn it, so I don't know how I feel about that. But best of luck, uh, Camille, with the rest of your tournament. Um, fingers crossed you come out with something, uh, something more impressive than a draw yeah. next time. I'm sure yeah. that the fellowship will do well. Yeah, thank you and best of luck to you. Game number five and it's destroy the supplies and um, I've got my Eastlings again so it was, uh, uh, I was playing against George Harold who's got just a good army this tournament. Uh, George, before we talk about the battle as a whole, just give us a general idea about the list because it's a slightly, slightly different Rohan themed list. Yeah, so it's uh, Theoden Aemer with a bunch of friends and then that's a historical alliance with Gandalf the White from Minas Tirith. So um, 24 models all, all together. Yeah, so, so it's a, a different one. So not, I thought it was the Riders of the Air at, at first, but it's good because you've got all those bonuses, but you also have the magic. Gandalf the White really adds something to this list. Yes, yeah, yeah he does. It's um, yeah, a really uh, hand, 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 handy, handy tool to, 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 to have in it. So, um, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, destroy the supplies. We've each got to defend three objectives in our own uh, deployment. Uh, they're 12 inches apart, 12 inches on. Um, and they're worth two points each, and there's points for banners and killing the leader and breaking as well. And um, what, what was your plan here? Did you have a have an idea going into it of what you wanted to do? So, not not a particularly great plan. I, 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 well, not a particularly um, firm plan, I should say. So, so I think um, I've got the magic. I got the more shooting as well. So I think play play defensive to start off with. And see what you do, and then um, yeah, kind of act, act, act uh, uh, based, uh, based on that. Yeah, and of course you have because you've got the cavalry as well. Um, 
you send outriders down the right-hand side flank as you'll look at it, and about three or four riders down the left-hand side flank, including the Royal Guard, eventually, anyway. So you were, you were, try, you were trying basically to kind of pincer around me once I'd, once I'd kind of committed to the middle, I suppose. Yes, I mean, again, that wasn't necessarily planned when I first deployed, but yeah, after the first you know, turn, and, and the second turn especially, when you were marching around me right up the middle of the board, yeah, that gave me the chance to kind of create a, um, a U-shaped kind of a line, so to speak, with, yeah, some gravity models going down each side, and then both my force and my heroes in the uh, uh, middle there, kind of def defending, defending my objectives, and um, yeah, getting to grip, grip, grips with you there. Yeah, and Gandalf, though, played an absolute blinder. Not a blinding light, literally. He, he played a blinder with a couple of different magic spells, which which basically um, it, it won you two VPs in the first couple of turns. You uh, blast, Sorceress blasted uh, one of the banners, uh, which killed the banner, which was uh, a great move. And then uh, you did the Dragon Knight as well, which basically put him out of action very early on. But it, it did mean that you were quite far forward um, very early on in the game. And... That it put yourself down to a roll-off or a move-off, essentially, as to who was going to charge who and whether Gandalf could either get out of a dodge or be charged by people. Do you think, do you think that sort of Hail Mary kind of all-in-eggs-in-one-basket kind of move um, was, was worth the risk? That's a really, really tough, tough, uh, tough one, actually. Um, I think it probably was worth it. But, yeah, it, it, it's only a tough one. So, so, so I spent yeah, two might on a Sorcerer's Blast to kill your banner and then uh, because Gandalf advanced forward to do that so then he couldn't get all the way back so left in a vulnerable position the idea was even if you charged him I could counter charge with some of my cavalry however that still left Gandalf uh, left Gandalf trapped and, and he had a few heroes against him that was alright he, he did actually survive that turn didn't he it was a turn after yeah as you said I, I lost the heroic move roll off Len and then yeah he managed to finish him off so I don't know, yeah, possibly, um, you know, after killing the banner, so, you know, when he was in range, uh, you won the uh, uh, pri pri priority then, didn't you, to charge him. Perhaps I should have used his last point on mic to do a move, a uh, heroic move then. Mm. I don't know. I I'm always reluctant to when you've got uh, Ritabi in the uh, Master Battle. I so. think that that's one of the things that plays into it always, is whether you get a free, your, your point on mic, it could... Is, is very valuable, especially when you've only got two attacks on, uh, when you're charged. So I, I suppose, and then you giving it away for free, potentially uh, giving me a move, is, is a difficult decision, and that's why Master of Battle is so good. Uh, of course, I, as you mentioned, I won those roll-offs. Uh, it meant it forced AMR to spend a couple of um, points of might as well to heroic combat through some stuff uh, to, yeah. to untrap Gandalf, because yeah. uh, Ritabi has bonuses to uh, attract uh, hero, so that was good. I still ended up taking quite a few face off. I think it was all three, was it? Or I think you spent all three, but you kept the wounds or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. It certainly certainly did some damage early on. Yeah, I think it was yes. Yeah, so first turn you took off three fate and one one wound, um, and yeah, it, was, it was turn afterwards when yeah you uh, finished them off. But as it develops, um, it, it, I kind of was slowly grinding through uh, the, your troops. I mean, the first turn, the Royal Guard and everything had a really great great uh, turn. I lost a lot of uh, Eastlings that turn. But second or third turn, once I had Amder and Ritabi in there, plus I had I, I won a couple of move-offs, and so I had some throwing weapons, acolytes, could choose a fight. You'd you'd kind of screened yourself off with that counter charge. Uh, it just meant that you couldn't then commit any more guys. So I just had some low, a good turn where I killed a lot of riders, and and then it it, it kind of kept moving like that for a while, and. Um, 
it eventually led to Theoden kind of uh, becoming a bit exposed and some horrible, horrible uh, fortune later, Theoden went down. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so the, you got your Dragon Knight in on him. Uh, you then, you lost the fight, but you got the banner to win the fight. Um, uh, and then, yeah, you rolled two sixes on three, three dice to uh, 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 kill him. Um, yeah. So he, at that point, Faden was my last point of my on on the, the, the board. So if he had stuck around, if I had Len called her a move and won the roll off next turn, potentially yeah, things could have been different. Yeah, but that, that's a, a, a lot of ifs, I think. Well, it, it is, but it, it it basically took you out of the the running in that last game because it meant that I could call a move, get a guy on uh, one of your supplies, which gave me my first supply of the game. Um, it also meant that you you. You uh, sort of ran, um, uh, so it ended the game a turn earlier. So it might have been, I might have been able to wade through and get some stuff over in the other sides. But I only had one of your supplies, but you'd already taken one supply with your outriders that had done a mission. So while all this was happening in the centre, there was a kind of war at the back with Brawl Gear and I don't know, maybe eight or nine models, and um, they they did an absolute stormer of a, a day. I mean, I, I put them in terrain, I blocked off some uh, some gaps to stop your riders charging in uh, too early um, and basically what happened was uh, the f I was blocking off the terrain and um, I kind of put some of my guys in some terrain which uh, fortuitously one of the supplies uh, was deployed in uh, both your terrain and I'd put my terrain in a place where uh, where there was going to be in terrain as well so I was defending two of my supplies in terrain which was really handy and um, but I mean basically you just lost a lot of the charge bonuses early on uh, and just a slight misplacement of one model meant that I could surround um, one of your Royal Guard with loads of my guys and heroic combat and avoid, uh, avoid your guy taking uh, one of the supplies early on. Because if you hadn't placed that guy wrong or hadn't uh, foreseen the uh, heroic combat, you would, have, uh, you would have been able to have that supply, essentially. You think? I I'm not sure. Um, yeah, so, so I didn't anticipate your heroic combat coming, which was entirely my own fault. Um, but I'm not sure I could have positioned him any other way to stop that heroic combat. Was there? I, I, I don't... I'm not sure I would have been able to get Brawl Gear in to... I, I, might, I would have got some charges off, but I wouldn't have been able to get the number of guys into the, right. those guys to clear off both of those uh, guys in that objective, which then meant that I, I had loads more guys in the middle when uh, the, uh, to defend the middle objective. Uh, maybe you're right, maybe it, was, it, it didn't matter either way, but either way, that was, that was a moment. The second moment of Brawl Gear's uh, success was uh, coming back in towards the centre, which the ro outriders were now dismounted, climbed up a hill, charged uh, my Easterling archer that had been defending the central objective with his bow and doing absolutely nothing uh, and then pulled off a, a basically a game-winning tremor which um, I, I spent all four of my remaining will got the got the five or oh no I got two sixes so he kept some will um, and then I, I spent my point of might on the tremor to uh, to get the kill which we understand is right because usually you can might the first strike off a roll so um, so and, and that kind of kind of won and defended the objective, which I, I don't think I saw coming. I thought I was going to lose both of the rear objectives. I, I guess you did as well. Well, I certainly hope so, or at least one. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good. I, I said, um, you know, before the game started, I think Destroy, Destroy the Supplies is my favourite of the six new uh, scenarios which we got. And I think this game was actually a really good uh, uh, de de demonstration of that. Um, yeah, just having the big fight in the middle, but also having, you know, important smaller actions going on um, uh, uh, on uh, 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 other parts of, of the board too. Um, 
yeah, I got a little bit unlucky, I think, not yeah. getting at least one of them. There was, um, so the heroic combat we mentioned, where Ritabi and his guys managed to then stop me destroying one of the, one of the supplies. You won a 50-50 roll-off flat, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, pulling off a tremor as well, which on balance, I guess you would probably expected to... I was, I was likely to get it. I, I, I suppose it was strength, uh, what was it, strength six on the tremor, um, and you were defence five? Four. Four, four. So, so I, I needed the four to get it, and I, I you know, I, I think on, on balance, I think, you know, again, that's, I suppose that's another 50-50, although I had the might to back it up. Um, but yeah, there, you're right, there were a lot of move-offs that went my way, a lot of uh, sort of combat-offs and all these sorts of things, and cleared and going down in the penultimate turn, I could see, I could see your sort of heart heartbreak when that happened because yeah. it's not often you, you roll a double six on two dice and then you couldn't fate it back could you because uh, I don't know whether he'd lost the fate earlier or what what happened or whether you uh, failed the fate I can't remember now yeah, but. yeah, he, yeah he, he just yeah failed his fate didn't he but, um, yeah I mean it, it was a really really good game I personally think I played it pretty well again apart from Gandalf the White I don't know I, I mean taking out your banner was good was it worth worth the risk don't know. I think I think you play I think you played it right. And um, it's one of those things that um, it's it's really difficult to know how much to commit to the offensive and how much to commit to the defensive. And I think on balance you probably got that right. Maybe maybe obviously it would have helped if you had one extra guy go on down each flank to take the objectives in the end. But I don't think that you would have known that I would have won those roll offs or done that sort of stuff. And and you had enough on the rear objectives that uh, you still held um, all but one uh, in the final turn. So I think. I, I can't see how you could have done it much differently. It's just sometimes the dice just go against you, and, and that's a good sign of a good game. So, um, George, uh, cracking game, well done. I think, what was it, 6-4 in the end? So, really yeah. very close. Yeah, uh, and, and again, just, just, just one of the things to add on top of it, so you were only two models off breaking at the end, weren't Oh, yeah, you? that's true. So, again, if I just got two, it would have been 5-5 five, five draw, I think. Mm. Yeah, so... Yeah, really, really good, good, good game. Really uh, close game. Very, 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 very tense as well. So. Yeah, very tense at times. It was cracking. Well, uh, well done on that game. Uh, I don't know what that, where that sends you off, up or down uh, in the tournament. But either way, uh, congratulations, best looking your final game. Thank you. Game number six, and it's recon, and I get another chance to use the Easterlings, which is very exciting. And playing up against Darren Dickinson, patron, fan, regular questioner about uh, the podcast, uh, and just give us a, an idea of what you've got because recon maybe not your favourite one. Uh, no, not really. I've got the Fellowship, and I've got all nine, and the only upgrades I've got are Anduril and a Mithril coat. So I've got nine models against thirty-eight at recon. thirty-nine. Yeah, thirty-nine. Well. Yeah, it's all the same to you. And of course, I had the advantage of being uh, able to drum, um, being able to basically pile all of, all of my dudes off the board. And what, what was your plan? What, what were you hoping to, to get from this? Uh, my only, I was basically hoping to get the leader kill and to break you. And I thought, I'm never, I'm not going to get through your models and be able to get my models off the board. And I was kind of just hoping that I would, there'd be enough models left that I could kill enough to get the break. See, I had a plan at the start, which was to march my leader off the board, um, and I that went that went completely out of the window. Um, mainly because you gave me this great chance at the start to um, to charge Boromir with Amder and the Dragon Knight, and I just couldn't resist it. Um, but what happened? Well, I, I want to say you fell right into my trap. Um, yeah, so you, I moved Boromir up and you charged him with Amdur and a Dragon Knight and I shot Amdur's horse mm -hmm. and then Boromir, you spent, oh, I tried to Sorceress Blast Amdur with Gandalf and you ended up spending all your will and two points of might to resist that. So then you went in and you lost your horse 
and you spent a point of might to stay on your feet so you could strike, so you're out of might, out of will, and then Boromir ended up having to spend four points of might, and then he survived. Yeah. It basically it came down to a roll-off, didn't it? Because uh, oh, yeah, I, I struck with Dragon Knight, you had to counter strike with Boromir, yeah. Amber gets the free one, so I had two strikes, we got to ten, I had the Elven Blade, yeah, and so I won the roll-off. Yeah, and I thought I was going to get a lot of might back, which would have been great, and yeah. Boromir out of the game would have been ace, because he was absolutely fantastic. He was. He probably got the most kills out of everyone uh, in, in my army. So if you've got him, and also the Hobbits were right behind him, so there's all that free points of might for Amdur and the Dragon Knight, and it did not work. And then Amdur was trapped, and the Dragon Knight was, taken, it was killed by Aragorn, and Amdur was killed by Gimli. And then your heroes were sort of gone, and it was just me killing troops for about two hours. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was good two hours. I mean, it was it was quite fun, I thought. But the, like, I think so. I, I, I think you, you say I fell into a trap, and I, and I think you're right. Yeah, it, um, was, it wasn't an intentional trap, no, but, yeah. but there, you had a lot of counterplays to that move that I did, and I, I thought if I get it, I've got a 66% chance of getting it because I've got the Elven Blade, and and I just I just lost that. So I don't mind that. Um, but then actually after, and then because of that, I was like, I've got to put Ratabi in the middle. So otherwise, otherwise you're going to tear through my stuff, and and then you'll break me, and I'll, and it'll all be over, and before I even get anyone off the board. So I kind of resign myself to the fact that I'm going to get a lot of dudes off the board, and I I got a triple off the board, but it was just a, a bit of a tarpit of Eastlings in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean, Rutabi was quite a tank. Um, I mean, Aragorn was fighting her turn after turn after turn, and it took it almost it took to the right at the end of the game for me to get through her. Um, and yeah, I think I, I was just killing a lot of Eastlings, and you got 17 models off the board. And I think you really need just get three more, and then I can't break you. Yeah. But um, you didn't, and I did eventually, with about three minutes to go, uh, manage to kill everything else that was there still on the board. Um, which made it an 8-5 win to you. Yeah. If I had the killer instinct, and I've said this before, I think I did this at Articon, I could have drummed um, everyone, or 20, including my leader, off the board in the first turn, and then I can still have fun with the other 19, but I just, I just don't, I don't have that killer instinct to be able to do that. I mean, yes, I, I, I got the win in the end anyway, but if, if, for this tournament, those four VPs would have, would, you know, they could could end up winning or putting me somewhere on the podium. I mean, no, not really, because I haven't won any of the other games. But that that's the sort of thing that I think the killer killer gamers w would have done. Yeah, I think so. I, I wonder if what other people would have done in this situation, whether it's, do you take a 66% chance of smashing a large part of, me, of my combat power, or do you take the sort of safer option that is less fun, less exciting, and but is a sort of, is less swingy, but is a guaranteed sort of victory. Yeah, yeah, and I should have done that. I should have, if I wanted to win, I would have done that. But I don't think I'd have, I'd have enjoyed the game as much. We had lots of to and fro's in the middle, and you know it was just little combats um, with well, big with big beasts, but lots of chopping and lots of stuff. And it was nice when the things went the wrong way for you, and and, and sometimes and you know you won a lot of the priorities or a lot of the roll-offs, and, roll yeah. and and so stuff like that. Uh, but then again, Aragorn failed to wound Vitabi a lot of times, so they, I, it was it was one of those games that I really enjoyed the middle. And I think maybe because I knew I was probably going to win it, that I could I could just take the foot off the pedal and have a relaxing, fun game against the Fellowship to end the tournament. Yeah, and I think that's what I felt as well, because I knew I was going to lose realistically. Um, if you didn't have a drum, maybe I have a chance of breaking you, but as it took me two hours to break you, that seemed unlikely. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I knew I was going to lose, so we went into it with that sort of mindset. And, yeah, it was a really enjoyable game. Yeah. There you go. Well, Darren, thanks very much. Thanks for the support of the podcast. You had your pa uh, patron Entmoot widget out, which is great to see. Uh, well done on the game. I don't know what that puts you on at the end of the tournament. We'll find out in a few seconds' time. So there you have it. 
Uh, not a bad performance, actually. One win yesterday, of course. Uh, uh, two wins today with the Easterlings and a draw, which is pretty much uh, the positive win-loss ratio I've been looking for. So, huzzah, that's good. Uh, but it's not one I've been after, really, is it? I'm after, I'm after four. I'm after four wins. Um, although I might have to bump that up to five if I do particularly well um, and keep doing well enough um because otherwise as um uh, as i can't remember who emailed in earlier saying um what happens next um yeah there'll be nothing to look forward to so either way um very exciting uh, we've done okay done okay i mean i did play two fellowship of the rings um which i suppose skews things a bit because they were um you know uh, darren and the final game there was um you know it was probably unlosable for me unless i really played it badly and didn't try and win for the objective so i played to the objective i drummed off the board and you know that was kind of a guaranteed win um although with camille uh, against his fellowship it 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 was very nearly not a draw um it was a very exciting game that one um and i didn't think it was going to be because fellowship of the ring um uh, in the storm the camp i just thought i'd be able to trounce past him and it's fine but he managed to just in the last couple of turns do um, lots of exciting um, moves and heroic combats and uh, keep his guys alive and keep my guys alive and all that sort of stuff. So it was really cool. Really enjoyed that game. Um, so yeah, a, a great tournament actually. Really well done to uh, everyone. There was some cool terrain um, and some amazing boards. Um, I, I can't remember who won the best painted in the end, but either way, uh, oh, it might have been Dave Sweeting actually, my partner in crime for the weekend. I think it may have been, was it? I don't know. Either way, who's ever uh, it was, it was it was great, um, great stuff. But we haven't announced who the winner was. Um, it was getting a bit cramped, a bit hot in that uh, hallway, so we headed outside for a bit of a uh, an award ceremony, and I managed to grab um, the winner of the tournament just before they left. So the winner of the event is Scott Warren. Uh, Scott, who I played on day one, game two, yeah. I think it was. So uh, you had the Angmar force. And I, I didn't ask this question. I'm glad you've uh, won because it gives me the chance to. Yeah. Do you think Angmar is just too good? Um, I think Angmar is very good. And they're good on certain scenarios and against. I think they win big as well against people who haven't played them because they don't know the tricks. Mm. So you can get them 12-0 wins. But they also they do have a lot of weaknesses, shooting, elves, um, ballistas, like there's a lot of stuff that kills Gulliver quite quickly. Mm. So they have a lot of weaknesses. Um, 12 inch deployment against shooting is bad, but um, that there's no denying they're good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've, you've won an event with them, I suppose. But because yeah. uh, obviously, we've seen, or I feel like we've seen a lot more Angmar recently because um, because of the, the Gladriel Lady of Light kind of yeah. being downgraded, being nerfed, so you, you don't see her as much allied into things. Yeah. Is that is that why you've bought it, or were you playing with it before? Uh, so Obviously, this year I've just come in to play in tournaments. Um, I love evil. I've got Tower of the Witch King on me. Nice. So I play. I play. Um, uh? Just been handed oh, nice. his trophy live on the on the the podcast. Yeah, That's nice. exciting. It's quite a cool trophy, actually. So I play. I play like Mordor going into this season. I say I'm going to play Mordor at 700 and under, and then 700 and over. I'm going to play Angmar. Mm-hmm. Stick with that until I get bored. Mm-hmm. But um, they're a lot of fun to play. And going into the. That, that, that strong comment again I did lose two games mm. so I've only won four and lost two but I scored a lot of VPs yeah and that, that's the unique uh, setup of this tournament which we'll talk to uh, Ali about uh, just after after this but mm. um, it, it's quite an unusual setup so so you've got to get as many VPs you know a 12-11 win yeah. is, is just as good almost yeah. as, a, as a you know well it's better than a 10-10 draw or whatever you know what yeah. I mean yeah, so I lost them two games. I lost against Black Riders because obviously Gulliver can't charge. 
orcs can't charge and he's just got so much magic so that beat me and then i lost against a rohan army which you think i'd be good against with the monsters mm. but he only had like three heroes and then he had just like 40 40 models um cavalry and it was destroyed the supplies so he just fanned out and killed orcs broke me got to the supplies and gulliver and witch king can only be in one place yeah. so um yeah i dropped them two games but like I said, they can win big because you've got the flyers and you've got the tricks to, to play the mission basically yeah. on some of them. Absolutely. And, and you, you know, you mentioned you're sort of relatively new to the scene. You, you come from miniatures background. I guess you play other, other systems beforehand. Yeah. So I used to play uh, 40k competitively, Song of Ice and Fire, which is Game of Thrones, X-Wing, uh, Bolt Action. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I like miniature games. And what brought you to Lord of the Rings? You mean you mentioned your chat- tattoo? You got uh, tattooed on one of them, Witch King. And yeah. was it was it just because of the Lord of the Rings, or is it, is it because the the game system is is attractive in some way? So I just love Lord of the Rings. Mm. Ever, ever since kids, watch films, watch them over and over again. Um, yeah, it's just kind of that nostalgia from being a kid, really. Mm. Um, just reliving it, playing the game, and it's a good system. I think it is really balanced when i play games weekly like it's normally really close games really balanced nothing stands out too much mm. um in my opinion yeah. so yeah i think it's a, a good balanced game that's why i play it more because other systems do have problems mm. in them basically well uh, scott either way uh, you gave me a good a good smashing uh, on day one and you've clearly done well throughout the tournament so uh, well deserved win congratulations Cheers, man. thank you Cheers. Well done to Scott. Uh, he, as we mentioned earlier on in the podcast, great player. Um, you know, he, he was doing very well in the uh, Hobbit League already, and now I think he's uh, doing pretty darn well indeed. I can't uh, exactly remember at this point exactly where he is, but I'd imagine top three or four, maybe. Uh, either way, very good. Uh, let's briefly finish things off with a chat to Alistair King, tournament organizer, just to summarise again uh, what's pretty spicy about this. So we've spoken to the winner, Scott. Uh, so it's time, I suppose, finally to speak to Ali. Uh, just didn't have time uh, across the rest of the tournament. You've been organising this whole thing and uh, you always seem to be very busy. But I- I've got to ask you a few couple of questions because this has a, a, got quite a lot of unique um, bits to the event pack. So just run us few, uh, through a few of them. Uh, yeah, so I kind of like to run a unique event. But um, most of them is, rather than deciding on the amount of games you win and giving you tournament points, we uh, skip that bit out. And it's just the VPs that you score in the scenario, and you do get plus two VPs if you win a game. And that is how we decide the rankings. Mm. So it means that essentially a 10-8 loss is better than a 2-1 win because you've got more VPs. So it encourages you to go for the big wins and always scoring points. Even if you've lost a game, you go, oh, I could get that extra point for a general or uh, capture that objective. There's always motivation, and it changes some of the scenarios to make you be a lot more aggressive. And I suppose it changes some of the lists. Like, for example, uh, Ed Ball uh, brought um, the the Black Riders, and that's one of those lists that can easily win two ones quite often. But in this scenario, that doesn't really help him at all. Yeah, no, um, so it means that he has to generally play the game and play all of the objectives and stuff like that um i mean he did it still very well he managed to still finish in the top three and was definitely in the shout uh, for winning at the end um and also it's like calamedans took uh his rohan army which can hit hard and kill hard and 
score a lot of VPs. So there's interesting things that some of the top players will take into account when they're making their list choices. Absolutely. And, and of course, the other bit is that you bring terrain pieces. Now, I know some tournaments ask people to bring terrain because they just don't have enough. But you get five VPs for it and you can place it at the, the start of the game. So it, it provides a bit of tactical nuance. I mean, I know I played a guy, uh, George, who had uh, Rohan and he brought like a shallow puddle so that he knew that he could run through it, but it might be use, useful to deploy against. So I, that, that's an extra tactical advantage you got. Uh, yeah, so part of it stems from back in the day where pretty much every tournament we would go to, there would always be woods. Uh, and I used dwarves, and dwarves ranges like rocks, not woods, but there would be very rarely any rocks. So I was like, a lot of these models have special rules, like it could be the Watch and Water, Army of the Dead, or like Pass of the Druid and going through woods. And it kind of means that you'll always be able to get the most out of that special rule and the bit of terrain in all of your games. And you, again, it's another thing that the uh, sort of uh, experienced players and that can use their advantage or the people who have sort of figured out and work with their list and you can make it nice and themed and cool and look pretty as well yeah absolutely like I bought an Easterling Watchtower which you know didn't really help me at all but you know it was good because it looked like an Easterling Watchtower and I had Easterlings um, but so Ali you know this is a, a GBHL 100 and we saw uh, Angmar uh, win and I, I spoke to Scott just now he says Angmar aren't overpowered there's a lot of counters uh, there has been a subtle change though seeing a lot of Angmar on the top tables and the podiums um, so Angmar have always been strong. Mm. Um, the main thing is a lot of the top players recently haven't had it as their main army, uh, apart from sort of Harry Moore's probably one of the mm. sort of more uh, old school boys, as it were. And he'd won two or three events of Angmar in the last two years, three years. Um, but no one kind of picked up on it then. Yeah, and, and, and Angmar did really well at uh, Ardicon as well. I yeah. think Kylie had Angmar yeah. and won or came second or whatever it was. Yeah, and basically Kylie won. Um, obviously, there was a nerf to Lady of Light, and then people went, oh, magic's going to be big. But also, it's sort of, you just got a couple of new players, like Scott's a uh, new player to the scene, uh, relatively speaking. Uh, Angmar is just his army, it's what he's used. He used it before Lady of Light nerf. And so I think it's more of a coincidence, and then it's also the thing of when people say Angmar are good, more people will turn up with Angmar because they think that it will give them a chance. But um, no, they're, they're, they've always been quite strong. It's just they finally had the light shot shone on them, I guess. Well, there you go. The Lady of Light shone on them, uh, maybe or not. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Ali, well done on the tournament. It's fantastic. Great uh, ideas. I'm, I'm, I was glad to have come down to this one because uh, I knew it was it was one of the ones on the calendar I'd always wanted to come to. And it's got so many little, little niggles of difference, which I absolutely love. So uh, thanks very much for running a great event. And hopefully I'll, we'll talk to you soon when you're on the podium. Thanks very much. And that's everything. So um, thanks very much for another uh, listen to the um, wonderful, wonderful Entmoot. I keep saying wonderful, wonderful. It's just a gap filler when I can't think of what to say. Uh, but either way, thanks very much to listen to the podcast. Um, I've got another one in a few couple of weeks, I think. Um, it won't be immediate um, because we've got um, something... I've got a couple of bits and bobs coming very soon uh, in coming weeks. Filming some battle reports, which is very exciting, um, in the coming weekend. So maybe keep an eye on the Battle Games in Middle Earth YouTube channel for that because there'll be some exciting stuff um, on the YouTube channel. And sadly not linked to the uh, big releases of the day um, because uh, it's it was it's basically all going to be arriving on the same day as that. So um, it will be some cool um, thematic um sort of competitive but thematic battle report which would be nice the week after that I'm actually going to see Lord of the Rings uh, in concert the Fellowship of the Ring with an orchestra which would be awesome um, and then the following couple of weeks is my birthday so it's not going to be um, a, it's going to be a while before the next podcast it should be the week of the 18th of June um, so the week following that weekend um, where I'm going to 7th City Gaming for uh, a pretty competitive list uh, competitive tournament which will be my Dragon Emperor uh, in action um, when I get it so that'll be very exciting the following weekend after that is Tolkon 
So it's pretty crazy. Uh, lots going on um, for the coming um, in June, but uh, a bit of a gap before then. So uh, do keep an eye out on the YouTube channel. Every time there's a gap in the podcast, you should end up seeing a couple of bits and bobs on the YouTube channel as well. So uh, do keep um, uh, keep abreast of that if you're interested in sort of a variety of different things, including battle reports. Might do some Entmoot lives and a bit of painting, a bit of hobbying, all that sort of stuff. Uh, be a nice flavour to keep you keep you going anyway um and talking of painting hobbing as i mentioned uh, the dragon emperor uh, and black dragons and defense of the north it's going to be coming um it should be out uh, the weekend after this podcast is released so you'll probably have it if you're listening to it within the first few days which is really cool and exciting i can't wait uh, to read the new book and read the new legions and build uh, a dragon emperor and, and make my easterlings really really tick so hopefully in the next episode we'll have um, some well thought out army lists and easterling related goodness i really can't wait i really really can't wait for this it's going to be super duper uh, really excited for that so um that's going to come the emperor looks amazing uh, the price is i mean it's expensive but it's not nearly as much as i expected i thought it could be 100 quid plus so i'm glad it isn't um 82 pound or thereabouts isn't it so it's a lot but you know it's a big model it's an exciting model so very excited uh, for all that um i can't wait for tolcon as well that's coming up uh, the weekend after that and then there's into the west that i'm going to in cardiff and then in august there's Ardicon. so um lots of lots of exciting um tournaments and events uh, that hopefully you i will bump into you at that's it for another rent moot thanks very much for listening um if you're a big fan do consider uh, joining me on supporting me on patreon patreon.com slash battle games in middle earth uh, gave away uh, some or have given away and promised to give away um some easterling brand new easterling dice and the dale commanders um to two different um uh, patrons on there i do a prize draw pretty much every time there's uh, there's new releases for the strategy battle game and of course you get a little Entmoot widget you get some dice after a couple of um, couple of months uh, or a month or so um, I've got a backlog actually at the moment so probably should do that but uh, yeah do consider do consider joining the, the Entmoot clan it's a nice little Facebook community growing as well there um, for people to sort of share share little tidbits about the podcast and the YouTube channel and Middle Earth strategy battle game in general so that's it thanks very much for listening Boorarum Boorarum